Let's open up Holy Scripture to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28, and the text for the sermon this afternoon is the last half of verse 20. Matthew 28, let's read the chapter in its entirety. This is the word of the Lord. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye. For I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly, and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy, and did run to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail! And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So far we read, and let's just reread the last part of verse 20, which is our text. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen.
Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, if you have your Bible open yet, you'll see in verse 16 that a mountain is referred to. It says there, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. We're not exactly sure where this mountain was or is. There have been those that have had guesses, but we're not sure, and at the end of the day, that's not very important either. We don't know either when Jesus is gathered here with others, although we do have a general time frame at some time after his resurrection from the dead, but before his ascension into heaven. So what we have here in our text is somewhere between those two, It may have been that Jesus speaks the words of our text shortly before he ascends into heaven. But again, we can't be entirely sure of that. We do know who was there, at least some of them. We know that the 11 disciples were present with Jesus when he speaks the words of our text because we're told that in verse 16 that the disciples were there. And interesting, the event here at this mountain might be the same event that's referred to in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6. We read there, after that he, that is Jesus, was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. So there may have been many more people also at this mountain. We're not sure if that is what we have in our text is the same event as in 1 Corinthians 15, but we do know for sure that at least the 11 disciples are here. You may have noticed as we are reading through the last part of the chapter that this group of verses coming before our text are what are called the Great Commission. This is the Great Commission that Jesus gives to his church. And now, after he's given that, at the end, he says something that is oh so comforting. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And that's our text this afternoon. My intention, beloved, is to preach this sermon for our comfort. I hardly even need to tell you that there's lots going on today. Seems like the church is getting robbed. And probably if I asked some in this sanctuary in the older generation, have you ever seen it? like it is today, the the troubles in the church, the opposition that she faces, you might very well answer, I've never seen it like it is nowadays. And the question that we might ask is, is Jesus really with us? Is he on the throne? with everything that's going on. 
Jesus gives us comfort then. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. The comfort that we as Christ's church need so desperately. So let's hear this promise. Under the theme, lo, I am with you always. In the first point, the meaning of this promise. The second point, the need for this promise. And then third, and briefly, the certainty of this promise. In order to understand the meaning of our text or this promise that Jesus gives, I want to ask and answer three questions. Three questions. And the first question that we ask and answer in order to understand this promise of Jesus is this. Who is with whom? There's an I here. I am with you. Who's the I? Who's the you? Well, the who or the I or the person who makes this promise is obviously Jesus Christ. He who is truly God and truly man. He who at this time of year especially we remember was born for our salvation who walked through the weary valley of death all his days and who steered a straight course all the way through that weary valley until he came to that accursed tree where he hung and he bled and he suffered and he died as the sacrifice for our sins and then rose up the third day and ascended to be at God's right hand in heaven. That Jesus Christ is the I, the one who makes this promise. But of all the things that we could say about our Savior, there's one thing I really want to zero in on, and that's in the context, verse 18. Jesus says about himself, all power, and that word could really be authority, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. What should we especially know about this Savior in this context? That he ascended up into heaven, and God gave to Jesus Christ according to his human nature, that is, God, the triune God, gave to the man Christ Jesus authority, the right to rule. And here's Christ then sitting on the throne of the right hand of his father. He has that right to rule, which has been given to him. And also he has the power to exercise that rule or to carry out his authority. And there is not one square inch of this whole universe over which the Lord Jesus Christ does not have authority and power. All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. That especially we should know about this one who makes the promise. And he really wants to stress that he's the one speaking these words, that he's the one who's with us. You could translate it literally, I myself am with you. So that's the who, but who is he with? 
Who's the you in the text? Well, I think that answer comes pretty clearly as well. The one to whom he's making the promise are his disciples. Those 11 men, and I say that because, again, if you go back to verse 16, it says, Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And then when you get into that whole matter of the Great Commission, and Jesus says, Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations. And then he says in verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. He's giving that great commission to those 11 men. And then when you come to our text and he makes this promise, he's making the promise to them. But maybe your mind is already turning and you're thinking, okay, it's made to the 11 disciples, but doesn't Jesus say here, Lo, I am with you even unto the end of the world? Well, that can't possibly then apply to the disciples, the unto the end of the world part. This promise must be, therefore, more than just to them. Those 11 disciples would live for how many years and then they would die, certainly not live to the end of the world. And so the conclusion that we have to come to is that Jesus makes this promise, yes, to those disciples, but also to the New Testament church. And the connection between those is that those 11 men were the representatives of the New Testament church that is found in this world at any point in New Testament history. And that's what makes the text for us so very personal. What Jesus says here, beloved, is to you, to you, church. The second question that we ought to ask in order to understand the text, the promise Jesus makes, is not only who is with whom, Jesus is with his disciples and his church, but know this, what does it mean then that this Jesus is with his disciples or his church? And now we've really gotten to the heart of things, haven't we? Because Jesus says, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. What does that mean? It means that he's present with his church. He lives with her, dwells with her, abides with her, has fellowship with her. And right when I say that word fellowship, then hopefully most, if not all of us say, well, there's the doctrine of the covenant then. It's just bubbling right out of this verse. Christ has this relationship, warm relationship of friendship with his people. He has fellowship with them. That he's with his church is to say that he's present in his love with her. Of course, this is, after all, Jesus speaking these words, who went that straight path right to the cross, not swerving this way, 
and not turning that way, but kept on going in all of that suffering under the weight of God's wrath until finally he hung on that tree and he gave himself and he kept on going that way in love. Love. Such great love for us. And what he does now is he cheers us. He encourages us with that love. And he refreshes us with the knowledge that he gave himself as the sacrifice for our sins. In what way is he with his church? In love. And he's present with her in power. Power. And there you go again right back to verse 18. All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And not only now does he rule over every single millimeter of this whole universe as king of kings and lord of lords, but now think of this. He uses all that authority and all that power for his church. There is something there, beloved, that I can try to say it, but you stammer with your words. He who's king of everything and whose Lord is using all that power for us, for our profit. That's amazing. Gathering, defending, preserving his church. And Jesus will impress this fact upon us too, that he's with us. He does that with the word, lo, lo, I am with you always. And children, that word lo is like a big, bolded exclamation mark in the verse. Pay attention. Look here. Don't forget this, but remember it. Lo, I am with you always, Jesus says. He'll press it upon our hearts. But he so impresses this fact that he's with us also by the fact that these are some of the last words that he speaks before he ascends into heaven. Now again, we don't know how long it will be exactly from this point before he actually goes to heaven. It may have been not a very long time at all. But we do know that what he says here is a part of that last group of words that he's going to say to his disciples before he goes to heaven. If you're in an airport and you're with someone at their gate and they're the person departing, the last words that they say to you are going to be the words that ring in your mind and in your heart for a long time, maybe for the rest of your life. And Jesus, in giving some of the last words to his disciples before he ascends, will have these ringing in their minds and in our hearts. So he will impress them upon us. I'm with you. Now the fact that Jesus is present with his church, dwells and abides as fellowship with her, 
that needs a basis for it. You see, it can't simply be that Jesus is, abides with her in his, in his love and his fellowship with her, and then you put a period after that. There has to be a foundation upon which that rests, and the basis or the foundation for Christ dwelling with us is his own blood, the atonement that he accomplished, his cross, his obedience, his suffering. That's the basis for his being with his church. But here's a question. Exactly in what manner, then, is he with his people on earth? We understand what that it means that he's with us, but how exactly is that? And I ask that question because you remember the context. He's about to ascend into heaven. And according to his human nature, and all that means, children, is his body and his soul. In his body and soul, human nature, he's not any longer going to be on earth, but he is going to be in the place of heaven. So if that's going to take place, how can he say, I will yet be with my church on earth? Go home after the worship service and open up the back of your Psalter to Lord's Day 18, and it asks that same question. And the answer, how it can be that Christ goes to heaven in his human nature, and yet he says, I will be with my church, the solution to that is not that he's with his church according to his human nature, because that's in heaven and not on earth anymore. But the solution is that he's with her by his Spirit poured out on Pentecost. And sometimes we even talk that way. This is called a spiritual presence with his church. Lord's Day 20. Go a few ahead in the Heidelberg Catechism. Gives a very nice summary of who the Holy Spirit is and what his work is. What dost thou believe concerning the Holy Ghost? First, that he is true and co-eternal God with the Father and the Son. Secondly, that he is also given me to make me by a true faith partaker of Christ and all his benefits, that he may comfort me and abide with me forever. How is Christ with his church by his Spirit? And when on Pentecost, Jesus, who's at the right hand of his Father, when he poured out his Spirit on the church, you can think of it this way. It was like Christ, it really was, Christ returning to his church, but by the Spirit. And now you understand these profound and beautiful words that Jesus speaks in John chapter 14, verses 16 through 18, he says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he, listen, 
dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And then Jesus says, I will not leave you comfortless, which means I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Oh, yes, he's with his church. And he is that by his spirit. Question number one, who is with whom? Jesus with the disciples, with his church. Question number two, what does it mean that he's with his church? We just heard it. And now the third question that we ask and answer in order to understand the text is, when is Jesus with his church? And you can see that right there in the verse. And lo, I am with you all way, even unto the end of the world. If you have your Bible open, we're going to do a little bit of translation work here, and then we're going to put it all together. That word "alway" is literally all the days. And then the word end is literally the word completion, and the word world is literally the word age. So when you put that all together, the text could be read this way. Lo, I am with you all the days, even unto the completion of the age. That those days, lo, I am with you all the days, those days are the days of the New Testament. From the time Jesus ascends into heaven until he comes back to earth in his second coming. And everything sandwiched between there, those are the days Jesus is talking about. And then the age that he's referring to, lo, I am with you all the days, even unto the completion of the age, that's just exactly the same as those days. It's the New Testament age between the time he goes to heaven and he comes back to earth. And when Jesus talks about the completion, lo, I am with you always, even unto the completion of the age, he's saying this, I'm going to use all that authority and all that power, and I'm going to bring that age or all those days to a climax, to a goal, to a completion it's like a steadily flowing river. And I'm going to bring all those days and everything inside those days to a climax. And that's my second coming. There's going to be a completion. So what Jesus is saying is this. When am I with you? All the days of the New Testament until I come back. And I will be with you, church, that whole time. Or I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Apostles' days, A.D. 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, I'm with you. Augustine days, early church, I'm with you. John Calvin and Martin Luther days, I'm with you. Days of grandpa and grandma, 
1900s, I'm with you, church. 2022, month of December, Sunday, I'm with you, church, today, too. And it's just as real as for us today, beloved, as it was for those disciples standing right in front of the Lord at that mountain. So real is his promise also to us. And if he's with us in the past and today, then why would we ever question that he will be with us also into the future? I don't know what is in store as to the details for the Barnhill family. I don't know what will happen for you and your family as to the particulars. We don't know what the future is. But you do know, beloved church, who is with you. In those days. And that's the only thing that matters. The disciples, and for that matter, we too, have a great need for this promise of Jesus. And the great need that those 11 men had to hear this promise, and also the need we have is the fact that Jesus would soon be departing from them to go to heaven in his ascension. And so they need to hear Jesus say, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Try to put yourself for a moment in the shoes of the disciples. You have been, for the last three-something years, been walking with Jesus and talking with him, and he's been teaching you so much. And it's, and it's always been that he's just been right here. You could see him with these eyes. You could even touch him if you wanted to. And now, with these eyes, they're not going to see him anymore. They're not going to be able to talk to him in that sense that he's right there with them on the earth. He's going to be ascending as to his human nature into heaven, away from them. And therefore the question would, might very well arise in their minds and hearts. Is he abandoning us then? Is this it? And that historical context reminds us of their need to hear from Jesus, I am with you always. It's really no different for you and I today, for you and me. The fact that Jesus is going to ascend, we need this promise as well. The thing is, you and I do not see him with these earthly eyes in our head. And if you are honest today, as I will be with you, we often have doubts and weakness of faith. And maybe it doesn't happen all the time. And maybe we never verbalize it. But sometimes in our deeper, darker moments. Is Jesus really with his church? I don't see him with these eyes. 
And could he possibly be on the throne yet if, now you fill in the blank, could he possibly be on the throne yet if this thing is happening today? And Jesus says, though you don't see me with these eyes, I'm on my throne and I'm with you, church, today too and always. But the need that the disciples had for this comforting promise was not merely that Jesus was about to ascend and therefore they would ask, well, is he still going to be with us then? The need goes even deeper than that. What is even more, they had need of this promise, and so do we, because they had so much work ahead of them, and they would receive a whole load of opposition to them in that work as well. And therefore they would wonder, with all this work and all the enemies attacking, is he with us? And I make this point because remember, what comes before our text? These verses are what is called, as you know well, the Great Commission. Let me read, starting there at verse 19, that Great Commission. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. If you have your Bible open, you can turn with me to the book of Mark, last chapter. That has a parallel account of the Great Commission. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. And he saith unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So Jesus gives this great commission. And my purpose in the sermon this afternoon is not to get into all the details and explain that, but only to say, there's a lot of work here. And difficult work too. And now add to that all the opposition that they're going to get. Go home tonight for your family devotions and take samples out of the book of Acts. Chapter after chapter of that history of the New Testament church. The apostles, yes, they're going out, doing that work of the Great Commission, preaching and teaching and baptizing. And people want to stone them, and people throw them out of their cities, and they get imprisoned. Sometimes they get killed. They get threatened to get killed. Men are slandering them left and right. There are all kinds of attacks by the enemies that come upon those apostles. So much suffering. And now the question that might very well arise in them is, will he leave us alone as we go forth in this difficult labor? Is he abandoning us when he goes to heaven? 
That's exactly the need that they have. And Jesus says, I am with you always. Exactly the fact that he's with his church and exactly the fact that he's the one about whom verse 18 says, all authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. Those are the things that are going to propel them to go forth with confidence and boldness in the work to which they're called. It's like the wind that fills their sails and blows them forward. He's with us. We can have every confidence to go about the work, though it be difficult and though we face so many enemies. This is the Christ that is so working by his power that he will bring about that completion of the age for the good of his church. Where these apostles may have had fears, they melt all away. And things haven't changed today. We too, beloved, the church, has the great commission. Hard work, lots of work. Christ's servants called to go forth and preach and teach and baptize. And if there was opposition 2,000 years ago, what about today? Do I even need to tell you, congregation, that Satan goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour and with all his temptations? Do I even need to tell you that the false church rises up and the world and it just despises the truth and seeks to rock that church and Satan wants to ruin the church? He can't, but that's what he wants to do. All this opposition. And Jesus here talks about the end of the age. We are in the last minutes of the last hour of history. Things are very, very dark. And sometimes I wonder, I don't know, will Antichrist arise within my lifetime yet? Things are getting very bad. When for the church today and when for us the work becomes so heavy and so much And when the enemies seem to be attacking relentlessly, sometimes we wonder, where is Jesus? And then he says, you don't think I've left you, do you? I'm with you. You don't think, church, today that I've left my throne, do you? I certainly have not And I have authority over everything just as much as I did 2,000 years ago. And you, office bearers, you church, you may go forward with a confidence and a boldness in your work. Though attacked and though opposed and though the work is much, I'm with you and the gospel shall triumph. And do you live in the last days in which even Antichrist will arise at the end of those days and things are very dark? 
fear not, because in those days too, and all the way to the end, I'm exercising that authority and power to bring about that goal for the good of the church of my second coming. And then, it hardly seems that it could get any better, but the cherry is put on top. This is a promise. That's the very form of the text. There's a certainty here, therefore. When Jesus says, Lo, I am with you, even unto the end of the world, it's a promise, and it will certainly come to pass. And don't forget for a moment who it is that speaks it, because this is not any man. This is the Lord Jesus Christ who will never turn back on his word. A dad and a mom may have good intentions, and they say to their children, we'll go out when you get home from school and, and get on the snow pants and get on the coat, and, and we'll play with you out there in the snow. And then children get home, Mom and dad are busy, didn't really work out. We're sorry, but what we promised, it's not going to work today. It's never like that with Jesus. What he says is what he means, and he does it. And can't you be so thankful? He loves us so much, and he knows the weakness of our faith that he gives this promise. It was certainly fulfilled for the apostles. And then there is another assignment to go home and look at the book of Acts from that point of view too. When they were stoned, when they were thrown into prison and slandered and threatened with death, he was always always present with them in his love and in his power and he never forsook them in the midst of their work in opposition and the gospel triumphed and then don't doubt for a moment even today that he'll continue to fulfill that certainty of his promise and will be with us certain And then, at the very end of our text, and at the end of the whole book of Matthew, there is a little word. And that word means, it shall truly and certainly be. And that little word is, Amen. Let's pray. Thy promises, O God, are sure, certain. And we take in this afternoon great comfort from that. Lord, apply this comfort richly to us by thy Spirit who dwells with us and in us. 
We ask that we, thy church, may go forward not with fear and anxiety in these evil days in which we live, but with a confidence in our Savior who has promised such. Thanks be to thee. Preserve thy church. And Father, forgive our sins and also the littleness of our faith. For the sake of Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, amen.